my overall general philosophy in life these days um, since the COVID times is really just to maximize your life and maximize like your enjoyment, the fulfillment, like whatever, however you like to phrase it. But basically just whatever that means to you, do that. And for some people that's obviously I think with school, um, work, after you finish school, whatever it is, there's obviously stuff that okay, well, I have to be at work all day, I have to do schoolwork all day, or, you know, you have to get those things done. But outside of that, at least make sure you're enjoying your life and doing the things you like. Hi, friends, it's Moran, and welcome back to the Let's Get Candid podcast. How is everybody doing today? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening whatever time you're listening. If you are listening on Thursday, I officially have two more days until I graduate, and that's crazy. (laughs) Like, I just, I feel like I've been counting down for this day for so long, and now that it's, like, I can taste it, it feels really weird. Like, it's not bittersweet anymore. Now it's just like, all right, like, this is the last hurdle, and I can finally go home, and that's all I want. That's all I can think about. And I'm just really excited for all of the events that are going on this weekend. On Friday, we have like a the law school host. It's called Blues and Barbecues, and it's basically a barbecue for all of our families with our faculty, our staff, our deans, whoever wants to come can come. And it's just like a, you know, meet and greet, like happy hour type thing. And then Saturday is graduation. And then my large friend group is doing like a grad party and then after the grad party my family's going to dinner and then Sunday we pack and I think we're driving down on Monday because to drive down Sunday itself would be a little too crazy but would be nice um we'll see how much we get done when they get here because they're getting here today as you guys are listening they are driving up and I'm really excited I am so ready to just close this chapter finally and move on I I'm gonna do a whole solo episode at the beginning of June all about how it feels to be done be back home and all of that so I'm gonna save it for that episode but just I've been saying this a lot lately but just recognizing how far I've come and being really proud of myself and I just feel like right now I you know, this week I've been packing, I've been cleaning, I've been getting a head start on bar prep, and I've just been go, go, go since finals, and I haven't really been in the best headspace um, during finals week in the last month, really, um, just letting go of a relationship that wasn't serving me, and I truly put that relationship to bed, and I closed that door forever, and I got closure, and you know, my emotions have just been all over the place. Um, Not because of that, but once that happened, it just really reaffirmed that I'm not the same girl that I was when I started law school. I'm a completely different person in the best way shape and like the best way possible. And I, I don't know, it's been weird. Just like things happen and like, or are happening in my life. And I just, you know, I recognize like how I used to react and how I react now. And, you know, that insecure side of me does come out at times. There's been a few situations in the past couple of days that that has happened. But at the same time, then I look back later on and reflect and I'm just really proud of myself 
for persevering. Truly, like, the best way to put it is I persevered and, you know, I made it. I did it. I got to graduation and I have a really supportive group of people in my life back home in Miami and I'm just really excited to be around them again and be with them. And I have a couple close friends in other cities as well. Um, you know, Amber, she was on the podcast. She lives in Oklahoma City. And, you know, I have a couple friends from college in different random places, Tampa, Orlando, etc. But truly, Miami is where my people are. And I'm just really excited to, to be back with mi gente. And yeah, I just... I just finished watching, as I'm recording this, the J-Lo halftime trailer for her new Netflix show, and it just, it really resonated with me, so if you haven't seen it, go watch it. I'm really excited for that to come out in June, but just, I see a lot of myself in J-Lo, and mainly because she's one of the only, not so much now, but at the, growing up, she was one of the only Latinas that was in the public eye that I saw that I can see myself in and I really resonated a lot with her and the struggles that she would talk about publicly and she talks about them in this documentary and just in the trailer she talks about people not taking her seriously for wanting to be more than just a dancer or an actress or a singer you know she wants to do all of those things and be a businesswoman and be a mom and find love and you know you don't have to choose you can have it all and between her movie second act and that um trailer and her performing at the super bowl halftime two years ago she's just really been someone that i look up to and is such an inspiration in my life for all the things i want to do and all things that i am doing and as a latina as a woman but as a latina woman especially you know you can't put me in a box um i am multifaceted i am all those things i am a lot i am too much But you know what? That is what makes me me, and I'm damn proud of it. And that's what basically she's saying in the trailer, and it just, it really hit me, and I think even more so being two days away from graduation, it really just got me, because I've been alone for the last couple days, and I really haven't talked to anyone, I really haven't seen anyone, and I hit a wall today. I've been so go, 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 and I need to do this, I need to do that, I need to do this, and I woke up today and I didn't get out of bed until 1 p.m. because I, I just couldn't. I, I physically could not. I was just so drained and like physically and emotionally burnt out. And, you know, we talk about mental burnout a lot and we talk about wellness a lot. And I'm glad that that conversation is happening. But sometimes it happens physically too. You just hit a wall and you can't get up. And that happened to me today. And I haven't done any bar prep like I wanted to and like I said I was going to and I don't foresee myself being able to do much in the next four or five days with my parents being in town, graduation, and moving home. So, you know, I'm going to fall a little bit behind, but you know what? That's okay. I'm going to give myself that break because this is an accomplishment in and of itself. I made it to graduation. That's a big fucking deal. And I'm really fucking proud of it. And, you know, watching that trailer just, it got me because, you know, I'm trying to do all these different things and I'm doing them all because I love them and I'm passionate about them and they matter to me and they're so important to me. But I need to make sure I make time for myself too and to celebrate my small wins and the big ones 
because not always are other people going to celebrate them for you. You have to be the one to celebrate them for yourself. And I was talking with someone today about friendship and, you know, they asked me, you know, do you, have you reached out to them too? You know, you did, were you just expecting them to reach out to you? And it's like, you know what, you're right. Like, because I'm so open and vulnerable online, I forget sometimes that I do also need to ask my friends for help instead of just putting it out there and hoping people check in on me. I need to be the one to check in on them and have them check in on me as well. And that was a really good lesson for me to learn. And I'm really proud that I learned it, especially as I do move home and begin the next chapter of my life where, you know, I'm not going to school every day or I'm not going into an office where I'm going to be seeing my coworkers or seeing my friends. I'm going to have to make an actual effort to see them. And we joke now about how you have to calendar in like happy hour and brunch and like coffee dates, but it's true. And, you know, just there's a lot of emotions and a lot of stress, and a lot of pressure on this summer with bar prep. But my professor yesterday reminded me that I've made it this far and I'm allowed to sit back and enjoy it. And I'm going to do that. So even though I'm a little upset with myself for not doing bar prep today, I just am going to accept that it wasn't in the cards and tomorrow's a better day. Tomorrow's a new day. And what saves today is that I get to come on the mic and chat with all of you guys and tell you how I'm how I'm doing and talk to you guys about this because I think it's important to talk about. And before I jump into introducing this week's guest, I want to do a quick suck and sweet of the week. So my suck of the week is that I kind of hit a wall today, but at the same time, I'm, I'm grateful that I did because I needed it and better now at the beginning of bar prep than halfway in. And so, yeah, I mean, not not the most fun feeling, but definitely really needed. And at the end of the day, it is rewarding because it, it shows growth that I'm able to recognize what it is and, and bounce back from it tomorrow. But today I'm going to give myself that day. And my sweet of the week is, of course, that I'm graduating. And the next time we talk, I will officially be Kayla Moran JD, which is nuts. Um, I didn't want to say wild again because I know I've been saying that a lot. But um, yeah, I've also just... You know, I have a few clients that I help manage their influencers and I'm really, I love working with them and getting to create these amazing brand deals and partnerships and negotiate with brands and, you know, helping them with building their careers. Like that is so rewarding to me. And there's a couple of big partnerships that I've helped my clients get and a couple of big ones that I've gotten for myself that I've been working on and I'm really excited about that. So that's my suite of the week. And I actually have a third one, which is that I officially announced where I'll be working post the bar exam and of course post-graduation. So I officially can now announce that I'm going to be working with Cameron Monet and she will be on the podcast later this summer. So stay tuned for that. Um, She is an influencer marketing consultant and attorney and she helps influencers manage the legal side of their brand deals and their partnerships and making sure they're legally protected. And so, yeah, that's what I'm going to be doing. I'm officially going to be an influencer marketing consultant and attorney once I get my license. And I never in a million years thought that when I set out to combine law and social media that this, that it would happen so soon and that it would be exactly what I wanted from the get-go. 
and it just my professors have told me lately how proud of me they are and my recognizing my perseverance and my determination and my passion and it just it felt really good to know that other people saw it too and that I'm not crazy for wanting those things because I made it happen and I'm really damn proud of myself for that so I want to introduce this week's guest who is my best friend from law school Yasmin if you follow me on Instagram you've seen her quite a bit throughout the last couple years she is truly someone that I couldn't have gotten through law school without her and her friendship and her mentorship. She was my mentor assigned to me one all year. We actually met the first day that I ever stepped foot in Knoxville as an admitted student in May of, or no, in April of 2019. So before I even accepted my admission to UT, I met her and we stayed friends over the summer. And then I got to school and she was my mentor and truly has become one of my best friends and if I ever have bridesmaids she will be a bridesmaid she is someone that I literally cannot live without and it's just we can talk about the dumbest things we can talk about serious things she is just someone that I truly I never thought that I would ever have a friend like her and I'm so grateful and it's really timely that this episode is going live this week because she graduated from law school two years ago and she's been practicing as an attorney and she's been my mentor so I talked to her all about her experience in law school and how she got her job in big law and what it's really like to be in big law and what that means and advice for law students and then of course we just are you know drinking wine in a cabin in the mountains just having a girls night girls trip and it felt really good to just be with her and reconnect with her because she's not someone I see very often anymore now that she's in Chattanooga and I was in Knoxville and now especially that I'll be in Miami but I'm really grateful that I get to work remotely because her and I can hang out and visit each other or take trips together and stuff like that in the future and like I said I truly would not have been able to get through this experience without her and I'm so grateful for her friendship and you know having these conversations with professors lately and telling her about them and having her say the same thing to me and you know she never doubted me and even though my path is very different from her path she always supported it and pushed me and encouraged me and was really really proud of me the whole time and having people like that in my life in my corner have been truly pivotal the last three years and I just I encourage you guys all to find your own people like that and it's going to take time and it's going to take a lot of heartbreak and like life lessons and friendship and relationship breakups along the way. But I promise you those people are out there for you and they're few and far between. So when you find them, hold on to them. But with that, please meet one of my best friends, Yasmin. So you are, have, you've been an associate for two years in big law, but why did you go to law school in the first place? So I went to law school because I've always wanted to be a lawyer and never really had any other career aspirations. So throughout life, I just knew that I wanted to be a lawyer and you have to go to law school. So that's really why I went. No really good story about it, but just majored in political science in undergrad and there was really not much you could do with that without (laughs) further schooling. So at the end of that, it was still on the path to law school and so that's how I ended up there yeah and you're a fellow Florida girl who went to Tennessee for law school so what made you 
go to UT or what made you even apply to UT in the first place? I, at some point, realized that I no longer wanted to stay in Florida for law school. That was kind of something that I realized maybe senior year of college and started applying to places. And when I was looking, I basically looked for states that I could see myself living in that were not freezing um, or super far away from home. And that's how Tennessee came to play. I had been to Gatlinburg before, but nowhere else in Tennessee. So it was kind of a, well, hopefully this doesn't suck, but we're going to fly anyway. And I didn't see the school until after I'd already paid my deposit. So at that Same. point, it was <laughs> a little too late to change my mind, but it ended up working out nicely. I'm still in Tennessee, so it wasn't a bad decision, but I just wanted to try that out while I still had a chance to go back to Florida before taking the bar and figure out whether or not I wanted to move back or try something new for at least a little bit. Yeah, do you see yourself moving back to Florida at all or are you staying in Tennessee? I think at some point I probably will move back, but not to practice. I'd probably move back to retire. I think Florida's more of a retirement place for me just because I do not enjoy the cold that much so being old and having yeah. to deal with snow and ice is just not ideal so I think I definitely moved back then and I already know lots of places that I would be fine living in Florida so it won't be super hard or like moving to a completely random place somewhere that I'm at least familiar with yeah well you just bought a house too so you're staying in Tennessee for the foreseeable future yes <laughs> and only have taken this far. Oh, so. Yeah, and that Tennessee is a UBE state and Florida is not, which I want to talk a little bit about the bar exam later. But while you were in law school, what was your experience like? Um, COVID happened your final year. So that was, you know, you got to truly experience a full time in law school, which is something that I never got to have. I only got the first seven months of it <laughs> before life happened. So what was your experience like in law school? I honestly enjoyed it. Um, the beginning, obviously, it was pretty stressful just moving to a new place, not knowing anyone, and then making friends in a place where I literally didn't know anyone else in the state. So you had no option but to go out and try and make friends. Um, but aside from meeting lots of new people, I think the schooling aspect of it obviously was a little bit challenging because you go to law school and everyone's used to being smart. Everyone's used to doing well and you get ranked amongst your peers for the first year especially with the um, curve and so that was a very different experience academically but otherwise I thought it was a good time up until the end when COVID yeah. happened but it was nice to get to basically do all of school with basically the same group of people from my one all first semester um, and then towards the end, I was glad we at least got our last fall with football and just enjoying your last bit of time as a student before the real world kicked in. And I had even more responsibilities that weren't quite as fun um, and less free time during the day. So it was a good two and a half years before COVID and then the last semester of pretty much just being at home and studying and doing everything at home. I don't know how you did it for so long with that being, you know, your law school experience for no a chunk idea. of it. I don't really know how we did it. I think just because we didn't know any other way. Yeah. Like, we had only gotten the first seven months. 
but you were super involved on campus during your time in law school. Um, you were head barbary, well, you were a barbary rep, and then you were head rep, which is how I got the position. You were an editor-in-chief for one of the journals. What else did you do? You did a bunch of other stuff on campus. Yeah, I did. Gave tours of the law yeah. school, um, and then did research for professors. And then other than that, I was just a member of things. Yeah. But still, obviously I had to go to the events that were put on, but that's less less stressful than yeah. the rest. Did you, like, make an intentional choice to be super involved in, on campus and, like, have all these positions? Or was it just, like, they fell into your lap from someone older, like, you know, here, you should do this, or? Yeah, I think, honestly, most of them literally fell into my lap, even the journal position. Um, like, I joined the journal now. Like, no one said really too much about that. I was like, oh, that's something I want to do. I want to be on a journal. And then once I got on and it was time to run for the editor-in-chief position I initially that was not in my I just didn't think that I wanted to do that but then people were like you should do it like it would be really great and so then at the last minute when it was almost time to like decide basically whether or not I was going to apply for that I decided okay why not and so that one was kind of more of a I probably would not have done that on my own if people had not yeah. like you should do this and I mean it ended up being fine I think it would have been better had it not been COVID the second half of the semester when we're still trying to do this and having people do work and write on and the world was just hectic at that time so maybe it would have been a different experience at that point the last half of it but it was it was a good experience I don't entirely regret I know I remember seeing you in the library and I'd ask you how you were doing you were like dealing with journal like stuff always um very stressful which you were on the Tennessee Journal of Race Gender and Social Justice and that's one of the four journals we have at our school um law review being the most prestigious and the one that everyone wants but did you apply for law review or did you only do RGSJ or how did you choose which journal to apply to? So with RGSJ, we could apply the second semester of 1L year and you had to wait until the summer to apply for um, law review. And so I was like, well, just in case I don't get on law review, I should apply to this other one first and you can do two. This one won't be as much as law review. So that's fine. So that's how I got on there. And also I just was like, I need something else to put on my resume before you're applying. Cause by the time you find out that you're on law review, like you've already been applying to other jobs potentially. And it was just going to be something else to have on the resume ahead of time. And then I did apply for law review. And when it was time to turn in the, um, I don't remember exactly what we had to write, but whatever we had to write for that. Um, and it was time to turn that in literally the day of the hour before it was due I was like I don't know if I want to turn this in because then I'm gonna have to be on this journal and I don't know if I want to actually do this because other because other than being on the resume there's really it's not like oh I really love yeah. a journal it was more of a resume thing um and then after I thought about it from the last, literally the last little bit that I had, I came to the conclusion that I didn't want to do it and then I just didn't turn it in. And I went to dinner that day with a bunch of people who also were on the, doing the ride on and they're like, okay, everyone got their things turned in. I was like, I actually didn't turn it in, which kind of was hilarious because I'd spent a whole like month writing this after work, like you'd go home and write and so it was a waste of time, essentially, because I didn't even turn it in. But 
ultimately I'm happy with the decision not to do both because I think it was just a lot from people who were on both where it's like mm, yeah. don't regret not turning that in I hear it's so much work to do both and I there's a lot of people that do that they write it and then ultimately decide like mm, never mind so you said write on a lot of schools have grade on ways to get on journals do we don't have grade on right you have everyone has to write on I think so yeah I don't know that we have any grade on I think I don't think we do no I was gonna say I think all of them you have to write on which I like better because then it's fair you don't like weed out people just because and also it's like anyone who wants to do it like you should take them yeah because not everyone wants to yeah not everyone wants to and journals are prestigious but writing on and everyone having to write on makes it way more fair what is the write-on process I'm sure other schools do it differently but how is it at our school yeah from the limited memory that I have of this process you know more than me <laughs> I didn't do journals at all so I believe it's kind of different for each journal because I know for RGSJ we made ours not as long of a write-on process so basically I think they had to do I don't remember the page number but I know it wasn't that much compared to the one I have to for the journal or law review yeah probably half the pages if that of what that one was and basically I think we picked (laughs) this is bad I can't even remember but I think we picked a case and you basically were writing about that or you had one to choose from um and basically either like a synopsis or just how this plays out in the world like after um whatever it was about because I can't even remember I'm trying to think like what did we even have to do because I remember picking a case but I don't exactly remember what we did with it for the paper yeah I know some have to do a stat check some have to do a case review and then you also have to take a blue book exam yes and just know all the rules and like where to put the commas and citation rules and stuff that's another part of it right and that part was the easier part of things yeah because doesn't law review write the blue book exam for everybody um we did a joint one the at least the last year um all of the journals because we did it at the same time we each took a section like each editor-in-chief picked a section essentially that's like okay I'm gonna do this one broke it up and then we all just put it together um but because we do um all the time like you have plenty of examples where it's like you don't have to change too much um just like pick another case or pick a different website and you already kind of have the format of yeah the exam um, but that part was the easier portion of things. But then, like, your separate part of it was basically making sure that the people could write, which I feel like is less important on the journal just because what you really do is the stack checking. You're checking for citations. And for the most part, the grammar is fine. It's the citations that are what you actually need to be flagging. Which is funny because there's so many people in law school that I know who have now graduated and are working and they'll be told by their bosses that like no I want you to cite this way or like oh they're they'll turn in work and then they're like your citations are all wrong they're like but I use blue book form and and they're like no I want you to do it like this and it's like then why did I spend so much time in law school learning this in practice it's not used but how important is being on journals do you think like you said like you did it just for the resume law schools put a lot of emphasis on being on moot court and doing mock trial and being on a journal and being really really involved and for example I never did any journals I've been involved in campus in other ways but yeah for people who who is being on a law review or journals important and like is it really that important to be on law review do you think I feel like it depends 
on who is looking at the resume, honestly, because there are some people who were on moot court or they did mock trial when they were in law school and they would ask people way more about that than I feel like they would care about the journal. But then other people were editor-in-chief of something and like that's what they would care a little bit more about. But at the same time, I think just having things on your resume that aren't just, well, they went to the school for three years and they weren't even doing anything else. Like there's nothing else on here. I feel like that would be more important than necessarily the journal itself. But I think in the event that maybe there were like two candidates, let's say everything else is the same and you're deciding which one that you're going to interview and only difference is like this person has a journal and everything else is precisely the same. I guess in that situation, you might be thinking, well, maybe we'll pick this person to interview or get the job, whatever. But at the same time, it's usually, I'm sure, not the case where it's like, oh, this person has done XYZ. This person did a different set of things. And yeah, I've heard it's more important if you want to clerk for a judge that that's when they'll like really value law review because then you have experience. And a lot of interviewers are going to ask for a writing sample. And then you have a writing sample that you use to write on to law review or stuff that you've done while you've been a part of law review. review. So, for example, me, when I was asked for a writing sample, I just used the brief that I did for my 1L writing class. Yeah, and that's what I used for applying to things, too, because that one was actually graded. So you have something that... You know it's good. Right, versus the stuff you use for the journals. I mean, obviously you're not going to turn in something that's complete garbage, but at the same time, at least I felt better about using a brief that you wrote for class that a professor's probably looked at several times, not just here's the final product. It's, oh, here's the draft. Here's the next draft. And yeah, then you have something that you feel like is probably a little bit more quality work perhaps. Yeah. But also I don't know how much people actually even look at the writing samples. I just I just have a hard time thinking that people actually sat down and read, you know, 15 pages. And it's actually of- multiple candidates. Yeah, I honestly think it's what you said about, like, if they're looking at two candidates and they're going to compare resumes. I think if your GPA is virtually the same, yeah, they're going to look at your resume and in the interview look at your work ethic and your personality and that's what they're going to base their determination off of over right. some sort of metric like law review and same with getting into law school like if two people have the same GPA and LSAT they're going to look at their work ethic their resume their recommendation letters their personal statements yeah and that's how they determine which candidate they're going to ultimately accept also you were in you were a Barbary rep which is one of the biggest prep companies for bar prep in the country and I remember that's how I got the job. Um, You were head rep and I was your mentee and you were like, you should sign up for this. And I was like, what is it? She's like, just give me your resume. (laughs) And I was like, okay. And then I got the job and now I'm head rep, um, which I'm very grateful for. And it's like a sales job kind of on campus. And then what else did you do? You gave tours, you said. I feel like, didn't you do something else? I feel like that was pretty much it. And I'm trying to remember. I think that was... And then, yeah, you worked with professors. So how did you get the job of working as a research assistant for different professors? So, like, the scholarship that I got, you have to do, like, basically stuff to give back to the school, essentially. And, like, that's what a lot of people do is do those um, research hours. And it could be research, could be TA, could be really anything. And then even after that, like, I worked for a professor the summer after graduating, um, like, continued doing that, like, on my own time um doing research for her but 
it actually was good. They we kind of got to pick whoever you wanted to work with. You weren't like assigned anyone. And so then after that, I was kind of, okay, I really like this person or I really like this research that they're doing or whatever it was where you can kind of see if that's something you want to spend time doing. Um, especially because a lot of it was 10, 20 hours a week, depending on how much stuff they had that needed to get done. So it was better to pick things that you actually were yeah. interested in, or even if you're not interested in just something that I feel like I could see value mm-hmm. out of, um, and just like feel like you were doing something that's helpful. Yeah, no, that's what it was. That you, it was your scholarship. Because I know that some people who have your scholarship work in the library, some give yeah. tours, some do research, and like they kind of can do it differently. But I, I forgot that was it was your scholarship to school. And is that a scholarship you applied for, or was that given to you upon admission? How did that work? Um, I believe now, I think they have boxes that you can check to say, like, oh, I want to be considered for these scholarships, and you can kind of do it that way. But I believe at the time, it was, I don't even know that that I checked a box for that. I don't remember, because when I applied, I got a scholarship. I didn't get that scholarship. Yeah. And I don't remember checking a box. So I wonder how it was, like, determined who got what scholarship. And I think, at least at the time that I applied, because I applied super early to everything, like, before Thanksgiving-ish time. So I think out of that pool of people is kind of, at the time at least, and that was obviously so long ago, so they may do it differently now, but unclear. Great question. Maybe. I don't know. I applied kind of late in the cycle. I applied in January, so maybe because that scholarship was already filled and they gave you a different one? Yeah, I don't know, because they only... At least, like, the year that I got it, there were, I think, five of us. But then before that, they had only been doing, like, three. So then they expanded it. And then I don't know how many they've done after that, but I think they were, like, four or five in each class. Um, So unclear how – I really never know how anything is decided. I'm like, oh, okay, I got a call. And then they're like, oh, like, are you interested? I'm like, well, let me think about – like everything else and then get back with you before I like accept and then I'm here for three years you know like do you think being involved on campus helped your experience or like if you were just focused on academics I think law school is so hard and some people are like they only are able to focus on the academics and they're not social they don't get involved because they need to devote their time to school or because they have families or for whatever other reason but do you think being so involved on campus made your experience better? I do, but I think also the times that I was super busy were the times I was most productive because you only have five hours left of your day and you have to do a bunch of things and you have to actually sit down and put your headphones in and do your reading or study or do whatever it is versus other times when I was less busy with things and I'm like, well, I have all weekend to do this, so it's easier to put things off versus when you're like, well, I have to do this and then this. So in between these classes, I actually have to get this done so I don't have to do this at midnight. Um, and then also like, oh, I want to go to this event. So I need to have everything done beforehand or wake up early tomorrow. And so for me, being busier is actually better for getting the yeah. actual schoolwork done, but also just with meeting other people, I think, at least for me, I needed to be doing things because otherwise like once you go home you're at home but if I had things to do after class or 
even like in the afternoon or whenever after you were done with everything it was nicer to have people to hang out with and then go home and study or do whatever else no I think you taught me that from very early on in law school like the time management and blocking things out and using like okay I have two hours between these two classes I'm gonna get as much done here so when I do finish in the library for the day I don't have to go home and do homework I can actually like be done for the day and then we would have our once a month sunspot dinners on Wednesdays at (laughs) half off bottles of wine but that's that's how we met well actually no we met at admitted students day yeah and you gave us the tour of the law school but then somehow you ended up being my mentor which are they're just randomly assigned so I wonder if like anyone had seen us like talk at admitted students day or just because like the Florida connection yeah I feel like it may have been the Florida connection because well no because Sam Medina went to my high my law my college so I thought I was gonna have her yeah no idea, because also I don't remember who picked the, like, matches yeah, this year, or that year, um, because, like, my mentee the year before also was from Florida. Yeah, who was it? Um, Morgan Burkett, but she also went to UF, so I was like, oh, like, they picked Well, because Livia went to UF, and I went to UCF, but Sam got Livia, and I got you, so, like, they flipped yeah. us. So it was interesting how it worked, but, yeah, how important do you think is mentorship in law school? Being a mentor and also having a mentor who's either an older student or attorneys, judges in the community. Yeah, I think, on like, I really did enjoy being, like, a mentor and being a mentee, but my mentor that I've decided my one year, she was a 3L, and so obviously, like, most of law school, you know, she was obviously long gone by then, but just, like, having someone that you can ask questions to and that actually knows at least a year ahead of what you know in terms of, oh, classes or the bar exam or just really anything that could come up that maybe you don't have somebody else to ask, but then at the same time, I think other people had just different experiences where maybe they just didn't get along or you know whatever we got lucky because we were like on a cabin trip right now (laughs) together two years later like we've actually become like best friends whereas yeah for sure other people had never talked to their mentors before and then they, they find other older kids to be their mentors but how important is it having like in a law firm setting or in just like once you're already a practicing attorney, to find mentors in your community? Um, I think, like, literally so valuable. My firm gives us partner mentors and then, like, associate mentor. And so the partner mentor that I had, she's awesome. Like, we, I mean, we don't, like, hang out outside of work, but I can ask her questions and text her if I need to. And just having someone that I can ask really any question not necessarily related to work but just questions in general I think has been a very valuable experience and we went to um this it was I forget the name of it it just started in Chattanooga but it's like women in real estate Chattanooga women in real estate I don't know some combination of those words is the organization and she was the one who invited me and she's like oh well let's go after work like on that Thursday or whatever day it was and so we went to that and I was like this is so nice and I didn't have to go by myself to this event and having someone that was not just because she could have obviously gone to the event herself but she's like oh like do you want to come to this with me like I think this would be a great networking opportunity like we can go um and so just finding people that you get along with and can learn from but also talk about other things not just work so we had 
when I first started, like a weekly call every Wednesday for like 30 minutes to an hour. And at first it was more about work. And then the times I didn't, wasn't doing anything for her, like didn't have any questions about the work that I was doing. We just talk about whatever. So I'm like, oh yeah, how's your son doing at UT? Or like, how's whatever that's going on and like oh how was your weekend last weekend just to be able to talk to them about other things and then when you do work for them it's a little bit less stressful in times where you're like oops I really messed that up I don't feel like they are gonna hate me for this it's like they know you on a personal level and can give you feedback and also you don't take it as harshly I feel like from people that you actually have talked to a little bit more than yeah. people that you've only talked to just about like the work stuff so any even like helpful feedback like oh they really hated that even though all they maybe said was like oh yeah just delete this sentence I'm like oh this was terrible but it's just because you don't really know them no but that's so important what you said that she invited you like she didn't have to but there was this new organization that you could benefit from that she was like would you want to come with me like we can just go after work and now you have access to that network that you wouldn't have had on your own and And it keeps going. Like, now, whoever comes in this summer or next year, if they're in your same practice group and you think that the organization would benefit them, you'd be like, hey, you want to go with me? And you just keep passing it on. I think that's so important. I mean, that's how I got the Barbary job. And I've continued to do that with the people that I mentor and that my friends and other grades than me in law school and just people, my community online or, you know, other law schools around the country. So... I think that's super important. Yeah, I think mentorship and being a mentor and a mentee is so invaluable because even being a mentee, like you, being a mentee, you gain so much value from the people that you're, are your mentors, but then being a mentor, you're gaining so much valuable information from the people that you're mentoring too. Like it it goes both ways. Like you can help each other too. Right. And it feels nice to like help other people in ways that you were also helped and sometimes in things that people may literally like that event um would not have found out about otherwise like there was obviously they didn't have my email so I wouldn't have gotten an email about that or just anything in that kind of nature where it's like oh someone told me about this like I can learn from this and she just anyone that has other experiences like she did in-house she was in-house like several companies beforehand before she came to the firm and so like she has so much other knowledge that like in the event I decide oh I want to do this there's already someone that I know that has or that she can connect you to people who have the experience that you want through people she knows from that private previous experience yeah I think I, I preach about it a lot you know I do that but like I love networking and mentorship and I talk about it all the time but I want to talk more about your firm and Big Law, but what was it like? You guys went remote March of your three all year, and then holy shit, the bar exam, and that now was online. What was that experience like for you going online for the bar exam and studying for the bar online? And you didn't get to have a graduation until yeah. like December. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think obviously the school part of it was worse because you were used to doing things in person and then all those subjects online and people were not prepared for it to be online um and so that was I think a little trickier but then the bar studying that was you know initially going to be online anyway so I don't think the studying aspect of it was too different than what it normally is for people except for the fact that you couldn't go 
to the library. You can't even sit inside at Starbucks. Everything was pretty much closed um, until towards the end when you could sit outside at a Starbucks um, in the middle of the summer. Um, not too long because your laptop will overheat, but you could at least leave your house. But the online exam was just not my favorite, in particular because we studied for over a month and in July, which initially it was going to be in July, they let us know that it was no longer going to be in July. So, oh, like, we've already studied for, like, we'd already taken this, um, like, practice exam that's basically, like, here's your halfway mark, like, see how you're doing, you get, like, a score, and, well, we've already done half the material. Like, I'm 60-something percent done with this course. And so then, initially, it's going to be September, and then end up being October online and so none of the materials that initially I was using with our Barbary books that are printed out for an online exam you don't have that so I stopped using the printed out versions and would just use the digital versions that they had provided to us because that was how the exam was going to be so instead of all of the tips and tricks of and not even really that it was a tip and tricks just what I prefer to do anyway but like highlighting or underlining just circling things you obviously can't do any of that online so I was like let me just stop doing this and train myself to yeah, you have to learn a whole new strategy to teach yourself the material but I forgot that it wasn't until October finally yeah when you guys took the bar and so that I think definitely made it worse because it just people it probably seems like well you had all this extra time but it's like you can only keep studying the same materials for so long, but you also have to keep it fresh in your head. And so being over halfway done and then trying to keep that information fresh in your brain, but also some of the problems, I, I can't redo them because I already know. And even if I don't know the answer, it's like I can remember to some of them because you obviously checked and saw that you got it wrong the last time. And you could remember something about it at least that I'm like, it's not quite the same as I can't like be for sure that I know the answer to this. Um, but it ended up being fine, like didn't have to take it again. So that's good. But still, it was very nerve wracking. And I mean, the good thing was that I was like, well, if anyone fails, it's a whole new thing. So I feel like less judgment from other people than like normal times, but also it's still like, I cannot study for another day. I do not want to have to take this again. Yeah. And so it was it was a long, like, four months yeah, of Yeah, because studying. it's supposed to only be two months, so then you got a whole extra two months, and, like, you got the benefit of, like, you know, if a lot more people fail than it's usual. Like, there is extraneating circumstances. Right. Also, like, I don't want to have to do this again because you've studied for it twice now. Yes. And, like, the worst part is that if we had known, like, oh, it's going to be in October and maybe you start studying in May, you'd obviously be doing, like, two to three hours a day and, like, still doing the same learning but, like, less material every day. And instead, it's like, well, we've been doing six, seven hours a day for a whole month and... And then you have to transition everything. Yeah. And then now, Barbary was telling me, oh, you need to do, like, X amount of hours a day to, oh, you have, like, one hour a day that you need to do. And I was like, I'm not going to be able to retain this information doing so little because it's literally every subject. Yeah. <laughs> Just too many things to cram in your brain, which I've since forgotten most of them, but... Yeah, that's a whole nother topic of conversation of just how inefficient this whole process is. But the other part is too, like, you finish the bar and you don't get your results for a month. So, like, 
everyone goes on what's called a bar trip and you guys didn't get to have that that month off where it's like okay the last three years has finally culminated in all of this I took the test and now I'm done and it's your month off your last summer vacation before you're working for the rest of your life and you really didn't get to have that Nope, and now, like, well... You still don't get to have that. <laughs> that ship has sailed, literally, because it was going to be a cruise. But um, <laughs> my Mediterranean cruise has sailed. But um, it was fine. I think after that, I was, like, more just happy that I didn't have to study. So I was like, well, I'll take this time to watch Netflix and enjoy the last couple months of not having anything to do which was yeah because when did, you guys got your results super late too. we got them after thanksgiving so it was i guess i don't know if it was still technically november or if it was like that first week in december but it was after thanksgiving because we had to sit around thanksgiving like okay it's well, gonna it come out any day because, now like for example like you and like other people who do big law or have the resources you're okay not working for those extra two, three months till you start. But there's people who took out a loan just for the bar exam two months that they couldn't work. Or, you know, they have to pay the bar prep course themselves and then they are not working to replenish that money starting September like they were supposed to and that they were promised. So yeah, the financial hardships with that. Because you didn't start working until like January, right? Right. Because initially we were supposed to start in September and so... It was, okay, well, I just moved to a new apartment in August, and then, like, we weren't going to start until January, but you didn't have time to really work, because who's going to hire you to work two months, but it's Thanksgiving time, Christmas time, so there was really nothing And they don't want to invest time in you in case you don't pass the bar. Exactly, and I was like, well, no one's going to hire me, and even, like, the retail jobs, like, well, I don't want that because I don't want to have to stay here for Christmas and Thanksgiving, which is when they would obviously want you to work, and so I was like, well, I'm just... So you got your bar trip after all, you just were stuck at home. (laughs) Yes, exactly, doing nothing. Yeah, so what, so you're in big law, and some big law firms and other companies do pay your bar prep course you know, as they're, they reimburse you for it essentially, and it's part, you know, because they're paying you a salary, um, you know, for us, we're bar, a Barbary rep, so our prep course is paid for based off of our work throughout the last three years of time, our time in school. Our free labor. <laughs> our free labor of selling prep courses, we get our prep course paid for, but some firms do pay for it, um, but you went into Big Law, which is, that's like a big, like, perk of Big Law, I guess. What was the process to get into big law did you always know you wanted to get into big law or did it kind of just happen um definitely just kind of happened um I think going into law school I didn't really know specifically what kind of law I wanted to do I was just kind of open to keep my options open and seeing where life took me um and then I think initially I was a little more intimidated with bigger law where it's just like this seems like it's not gonna be great like this kind of is intimidating I don't think I want to do that I think I want to work at a smaller place um and then after like I mean most of the OCIs which are the on-campus interviews um were the bigger law firms like they didn't have too many smaller places coming um and so naturally it's like if you're applying to those like that's really all they're that's coming to the on-campus ones at least 
Um, and so I just applied to those and really everything. Um, but my first summer I ended up working at a smaller firm. It's about, I think, like eight or nine attorneys that worked there. Um, and then I was like, hmm, I don't know that I like the smaller firms. I might like a bigger one. Um, not that there was anything wrong with it. I just think, at least at that particular firm, um, there was one female attorney. The rest were all men. And everyone was much older besides me and the other intern. And so it just wasn't for me. Like that just was not the environment that I'm like, oh, let's see myself working here for a long time. Um, and then compare that to my second summer where I worked at the firm I work at now. And there were people closer to my age, people of all varying ages. We have people that are in their 70s all the way down to us in our 20s. And it's way better for me, at least, just having people that you can kind of relate to. And, like, if you have just something random come up, like, I feel a lot more comfortable going to someone closer in age to me and be like, oh, my gosh, this random thing came up that's not even about work, but I just need to tell somebody about this than people that it's like, you don't even know what I'm talking about or it's not going to be relatable to you and you also don't want to be bothered um, with me coming to your office, you know, in the middle of the day for random things. Yeah. And so I think I enjoyed this a lot more just with having a variety of people, but not only that, just having people that I can learn from. Yeah, it's that mentorship part again, too. And I want to talk a little bit about something you said with on-campus interviews, like the law school really pushes big law and OCIs, and those are like the top jobs to get and only a very small percentage of your class yeah. has access to those positions. You know, for example, I've been very open that that's not the route that I went. And what what are what first of all, what is big law and what is the process of on-campus interviews to get those jobs really like? So, like even within big law, I think it's very a very broad category of things because there are some things which I don't know the exact like specific definition but I know I've been filling out like random things for when you're joining like a bar association they're like oh what type of law like firm are you in and it's like a big firm is 40 plus attorneys I'm like oh that seems kind of small you know in the grand scheme of things when there are firms that have 2,000 attorneys I'm like that's what I think of when I think of big law but I guess in a sense it could I don't know the exact metric that they measure it in terms of like how many lawyers pushes you over to big law but um, the firm that I work at has over 800 attorneys across all of our offices, but the office I work in has around 30, so it's still a smaller, my physical office is smaller, but- So you, it, you got lucky because you still get that small firm feel that you wanted, but you are in the benefit of having a big company yes. that you work at. and so I think for me, like, that ultimately, that mix is probably better for me where I still am getting- the resources of a big firm but also I work in a place that everybody including staff attorneys like we all know each other like anyone that walked in the building like you would know whether or not they work there versus other places where even some of our other offices that maybe have 200 or 100 plus attorneys you may not know all the attorneys all the staff like just everyone who works in that office building versus or I'm like oh this is so nice I know everybody here it's much yeah. more comfortable um but at the same time you can work with other people so I think 
the big law experience could be very different and if I worked at another place that maybe there were 500 people in the office I'd probably have a different I think it also depends on the city that you're into yeah that's true but then the weird thing is like in Chattanooga there's some firms that have like local firms that have 100 plus attorneys and so they're like oh like oh you only have 30 people I'm like yeah in our office but across you know the firm we have all these people whereas they're everyone's like that is their office like it's it's only one that location yeah but I think the OCI process was I mean it was fine you just go into the room interview with the two people or whoever came from that firm and then the next person walks in right after you or before you it's kind of intimidating a little bit sometimes or it's like got a knock on the door it's my time for the interview yeah, that part's hate to interrupt them but also not really because I would like the job too so but um, how, yeah I mean how is that process like you're competing like a very small percentage of your class is competing for two or three jobs at each firm for the summer yeah which means you don't even like just because you work there for the summer doesn't mean you have a job post-graduation but that's a whole nother topic but just like there's so many people vying for the same few spots what what is that process of like the competition between your classmates I mean I think because for the most part the same people were applying to all the jobs like you would look on the roster for that day and pretty much see the same people you saw from the day before like your other interview later that day and so you're like oh how did you like whatever the place was and then you talk about that and like oh yeah that that didn't go well like good luck or you know whatever and then sometimes I think for the most part obviously there are some people I think are that were a little bit more competitive but for the most part people were willing to just be open about like whatever happened and um there are times where I remember one time I got asked who was my favorite Game of Thrones character which I did not and have not watched Game of Thrones so obviously it was like um I don't watch Game of Thrones and then that threw them for a loop because I guess everybody else had said you know a character and so like oh well um at least you they know, remembered you for trying that. to think of something else I'm like okay so then like the next person who's coming after is like by the way like in case they ask about your Game of Thrones character like have that ready because apparently they've been asking everyone and then there are other times where if there was, like, some random weird kind of question like that, like, someone else who was going before you or who had gone earlier in the day, and you're like, oh, I have that one after lunch, you're like, oh, yeah, they were super nice, like, blah, 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 and they may, like, share something with you, because I feel like a lot of the times you're like, well, I may have blown that one, so the least I can do is help somebody else maybe get, at least maybe to the next round of interviews, um, and even the ones where you'd go to a callback, and there would be the other people from UT there, too, and you just like oh hey how's it going like it wasn't too competitive in that sense that I felt like oh my gosh this is like I'm competing against them even though obviously you are but I was like okay well I mean I've interviewed with like so many of these people realistically not gonna get probably um maybe maybe one maybe two who knows so I was like well I'm gonna try my best and then after that apply for the next one because in the two weeks that they're going to decide like yeah that's the thing too they're also looking at other schools in the area and the region like these are at least at UT a lot of the firms are the regional firms so they're not just Nashville office they're also looking at Atlanta office Memphis office Chattanooga Mm -hmm. office sometimes even Knoxville Charlotte DC sometimes like there's other offices a lot of offices in Mississippi and Alabama so they're looking at other schools too but at least 
for me, I've seen, like, I didn't do so much OCIs. I had two interviews total. Yeah. Um, I know some people have a lot more. But what do you remember the, like, what it was like for the people that, you know, didn't get interviews? Like, was there a lot of, like, I don't think it happened. At least our squad, I don't think, is very competitive. And, I mean, you were there when I went through my OCI process. But, like, you know, there was a lot of people, at least in my class, that, like, looked down on people for not getting OCIs. Was there a lot of, like, that competition between the people who got those interviews and the people who didn't get that opportunity not that I had seen but I also had just like a variety of friends who also like were interviewing for the like OCIs and so it's like okay we're gonna talk about that but if we had those and like I know that someone else like is not doing that or even if it's because like maybe they didn't get any or they just like didn't want to do that that wouldn't be something I'm going to bring up with them because it just there's no point you know because I don't want to make anyone feel like bad that like oh you didn't get this but I'm gonna tell you about this and you didn't ask kind of thing um but at the same time I think for the most part everyone's like oh like you came to school in a suit like they know that you had an interview except for the people who always wear suit and so it's like well I don't know <laughs> you're wearing that every day so you may or may not have had any but it's like very obvious the people who were like going um to OCIs and I even remember like when I had a call back my first um, year, I had to miss school because they were on weekdays. And so it's like, well, I have to drive to Nashville. Like, I'm not going to be in class that day. And there were people who I literally didn't even, like, did not ask, did not bring up that I was going to be gone or anything that were like, oh, I noticed you were gone from class today. Like, here are the notes because I was, you know, back when you had the same schedules, everyone. So they're like, here's the notes from the day. I'm like, that was super nice. Like, I didn't ask. I didn't even... Like, you didn't even know necessarily what I was doing. I could have been just out of school doing nothing. But it was just, like, people were super nice and not, like, oh, sorry, you had an interview. I'm not going to send you my notes because you should have been in class. Or yeah. just, like, when they obviously didn't have to send me the notes. But also, it's, yeah. like, I think were... our school, we got very lucky that there is – there that environment isn't breeded. Like, they, the school itself doesn't put a lot of pressure on each other to compete against each other. It's just kind of inherent. Yeah. But I I know other schools definitely do that. And I think our career services, although they do put a lot of emphasis on getting these OCIs and getting these jobs, they are also open to students who may not want those things or for other reasons. And I mean, we, I guess I think, I think we kind of got lucky that COVID happened in a way that like it helped the people who didn't get those opportunities or who didn't want them. Yeah. Because career services kind of had to shift to be like, okay, let's find you opportunities like in other ways. Right. And I think part of it is just places not wanting to come down for the interviews. It's obviously the local ones in Knoxville can easily go to, you know, UTK and do the interviews, but other firms that even like some of the like local ones in that area that maybe have like a couple hundred attorneys for them to drive out to Knoxville and basically take a whole day off of work to do those they may not want to I guess expend the resources to do that and like give them basically like here you need to take a whole day off of work to go drive down here and do these so I feel like that's also kind of part of the issue of how do you get people to these other places and not necessarily get the people to them, but get the firms or whatever entity it is to Or people who go to law school and then know that they don't want to work in that region, so they're not doing those OCIs or applying to the jobs in that region, which is part of what happened for me. Is like I knew very early on I wanted to return to Florida, so didn't have a point in applying to the firms in Tennessee. 
but then also I didn't have the grades too. But I mean, I think for me, they both worked hand in hand. So yeah, you got a job at a big law firm and now you've been working there for two years. What do you do as an associate? What has it your experience been like being an associate for the last two years? Um, I think it's kind of different, you know, day by day, but for the most part, I just get assignments. Um, obviously, I don't have my own clients, so I just get whatever people give me to do. But because we have so many offices and just different attorneys throughout the firm, I'm not limited to just, oh, well, the three people in our office that do this, are they don't have anything for me to do at the moment, so I have nothing to do. It's, oh, I can reach out to someone else in one of our other offices and see if I can do work with them. Um, and that has been good for getting like a variety of work because most people are pretty specialized with whatever it is that they're doing just because there's so many people. So it makes sense for like, okay, you really know about leasing and you really know about acquisitions and you really know about whatever else. And so I'm able to work with a variety of people doing a variety of things, which is nice to figure out kind of, I don't really like doing this as much as I have enjoyed doing this other work and just getting to try out new things. So that's what I have enjoyed about it. And especially as an associate, they obviously don't expect me to like only be doing one thing and they in fact prefer me to be doing a variety. So it's nice to get to do that. And then also within our office, I've done lots of pro bono work and I enjoy that and usually do at least, I'd say probably like, 20-ish hours at least every month of pro bono work um which has been good because you feel at least helpful to the community yeah. and give back even if it's something small like I do Tennessee free legal answers but to the people who you're answering the questions for that oftentimes has been a big help to them and a lot of their questions not well I should say a lot but some of the questions you can easily resolve them by literally sending them a link to something and it's like oh you're asking about how to get a restraining order. You're asking about, I don't know, like modifying the parenting plan that you have. There are like all these resources online that maybe they just don't know how to Google it or like exactly what to type up to get those results. And so you can give them a little blurb and then you feel super helpful, but also they have the information that they needed that they didn't have to get a lawyer for. And the people on the site can't afford to pay a lawyer hundreds of dollars an hour to answer, especially like simple questions or just things that people want to do and it's not possible. It's like, oh, well, unfortunately, there's literally no way that you can get your money back for this. And not that they, I'm sure, happy to hear that answer, but at least you've given them some kind of advice and they can move on and know that like that's just not feasible. So I do like being able to do that pro bono work during like the work day. And I think that's another thing I like about being at a bigger firm where they're willing to allow you to use your time to do pro bono if you want and it's not capped. So if I want to do 100 hours in the year, I can. And they're not like I'm not penalized or no, it benefits them in the long run to you to be doing that pro bono work. Yeah, it's just for other places where if it's a little bit smaller and they can't afford to have you no, do then they need your work time. Yeah, they need you doing their actual work that's going to make them profitable. Right. But does that pro bono work go to billable hours? Yeah, so that's the nice thing because there are other firms obviously out there that do allow you to have unlimited 
pro bono, but then others you may only get a cap for the billable hours, like maybe 50 or 100 for the year. And depending on what you're doing, like I have actual pro bono clients in addition to my Tennessee free legal answer stuff that I do on the side, because that's an easy like, oh, I can just I have time to do something for 30 minutes and I can respond to this person's question versus taking on an actual client. And obviously it's going to be more than 30 minutes worth of work. And so some of those were oh, we expected this to take like 10 hours and we're on hour like 30 now, you aren't, you're more likely to take on another one versus if it's capped at 50. I'm like, well, I can't do any more pro bono for the year because I've already, yeah. you know, maxed out. Um, or you just do it obviously on your own time, but I do prefer it to be billable so I can at least yeah, what maximize is, the day. For you who don't know, what are billable hours and how does it, work like for people who don't know your salary is tied to how many hours you meet and your bonuses and basically how much you make as an attorney so what are billable hours and how does it work yeah so billable hours are basically hours that you have worked or not actually hours, but time that you have worked in the day that can be billed to a client so that's the best way to describe it and people I think a lot of times are surprised that some days you've been at work for 10 hours and you're like well I only had five billable hours for the day and it's like how is that possible you've been at work literally all day but there are lots of internal meetings that you cannot build to a client and just other things that you end up having to do during the day that are not they're just not billable you can't submit that on a bill to a client and say how did call to discuss you know certain things that that's just not going to work obviously there are other plenty of times that you can bill certain things to the clients but there are also lots of things that you cannot and so that's kind of how the day sometimes gets away from you and that's the problem too is like you hear like big law you work like a standard work day is 40 hours a week and big law you on average you're gonna work between 60 to 80 plus because you have to reach a certain number of billable hours a year to hit your bonus. So, for example, how many billable hours do you have to reach? Right now we're at 1850, which is, like, pretty low, on the lower side. Like, yeah. there are people that are doing 2100 a year. So, I much prefer this. But at the same time, I think because the firm has a lot of, we have quality investment hours, at least that's what they call that my firm, which are basically hours that aren't billed to the client. So we need 150 quality investment hours for the year, which is so easy to get. You go to a lunch with your mentor, you go to a summer event with the summer associates, like all of that time is quality investment. So in a whole year, you have way more than 150 um, but at the same time, they're broken up into different things so they can see, oh, there's one for bar associations and other associations. And so like the meeting I went to the other day, like I built that to that number. And not that I think they're like, okay, you did 20 hours of bar association, but they can at least see it broken up. And it's like, oh, you did this or you did these CLEs, like you did this training, you did um, something that you could build to diversity, equity, inclusion. This was for mentorship, summer program. And they can see that you're being a good firm citizen, which I think in the long run, obviously in addition to meeting your billable hours, but I think between people who just bill and then people who have the same hours at the end of the year and have done all this other stuff, obviously it's like it looks a lot better that you've also done other things. And I don't know, I enjoy doing the other things. So it's not 
a major chore. It's just, I know, oh, if I go to this lunch, that took me an hour and a half. That was fun. I had a great time with my coworkers, but it's an hour and a half that I have to make up later. Or like, oh, we went to dinner after work, or we went to some bar association thing. It's time that you have to do later, but at the same time for things like that, I'm like, well, I had a good time during the day, so I don't really mind doing an extra hour later because I at least was having fun. Yeah, and I think it's important, again, it goes back to mentorship, giving back to the community. It's fulfilling you in another way. And I think that's, and and same with law school, like the people who just, just focus on school, I don't think get as much out of being in law school as people who are also involved on campus and were social and meeting other people and enjoying their life too because law school and the practice of law forget that you have a life outside of law school and I think you know having firms who have events or bar associations who have events and being a part of those not just like okay yeah like I have to meet those hours to be a good firm citizen but like you actually enjoy going it it feeds you in a much better way makes you a lot better of a lawyer and firm citizen and person I think in general and it just makes it more enjoyable Exactly. Because profession can (laughs) suck the life out of you if you let it. So I think being able to enjoy what you do makes it so much more worth it. For anyone who wants to go into law school or is in law school or graduating and going into big law, what piece of advice do you have? I think the biggest piece of advice, hmm, I guess... I, my overall general philosophy in life now these days, um, since the COVID times, is really just to maximize your life and maximize like your enjoyment, the fulfillment, like whatever, however you like to phrase it. But basically, just whatever that means to you, do that. And for some people, that's obviously I think with school, um, work after you finish school, whatever it is. There's obviously stuff that okay, well, I have to be at work all day, I have to do schoolwork all day, or, you know, you have to get those things done. But outside of that, at least make sure you're enjoying your life and doing the things you like. So whether that's going to these other events to, I don't know, get closer with your coworkers, because to me, at least that's important, because I know there's a lot of people that'll say, eh, I just like to go to work and leave. I don't really like to no, share I think it's so my important. business. And I'm like, maybe I overshare too much, but I feel like everyone in my office does. But at the same time, <laughs> Because you spend so much time there and so much time with those people outside of just, well, I sat in my office and did work. Like, you're doing work with those people all day, all year. And you spend you, a third of your life at work yes. plus. So like, I you like want to like them. enjoy it and maximize what I'm getting from the firm, but also, like, obviously do the work, but also any opportunity that comes my way. I'm like, yeah, I would like to go to that event. Oh, yeah, like, oh, some conference. I'm like, well, I'm going to have to work, like, all next weekend to make up the hours to go to this. But at the same time, I go to things, and I'm like, wow, that was so great. I really enjoyed doing that. And then just outside of work, like, make sure you're doing things that you like. Because I think a lot of people in law school, it's like, oh, it's going to be so much better when you, like, finish and get to work. And it's like, you're working all day, honestly. Like, you come home, you have a little bit left in your day, so if you're doing something that you don't like... Are you really going to enjoy those few hours you have left? Exactly. But then at the same time, I think, at least for most people, it's not realistic that you're going to like jump out of bed every morning and really love every single day of working because it's work. But at the same time, I, you don't want to hate it. But I think as long as you enjoy it and still get to do all those things that 
fulfill you outside of work. And for some people, maybe that's working a job that maybe will pay you more money than something you really want to do. But eventually, I guess you can always quit later, but like maximize your life to the fullest because as COVID has shown us, things can be different very quickly. And so I just like to do things that I enjoy, but also work them into my daily life because it's like, well, I have to go to work every day. So I can't exactly do brunch on a Tuesday, but Saturday, yeah, like, let's go do that. And AKA us right now, we spent all morning and afternoon working in this cabin where we have no Wi-Fi, but we made it work. We got our shit done. Now we're, we went for a little hike. We went to Dairy Queen. We made s'mores. Now we're wine drunk recording this. But, you know, we got the shit that we need to get done done. But we're still making time for the people in our lives and the things that in our, in our lives that make us happy and human. So when we go back to work <laughs> on Monday. You're revived a little bit. Yeah, it's not so bad. <laughs> But it's like, I don't know. I feel like that's just like the biggest tip because a lot of people I feel like wait to like, oh, I'll do that later. I'll do that whenever. And then sometimes later never comes. So when you can fit in things that you want to do, just do them. I think that's a great piece of advice. And you are not someone who's like super into the social media thing. But for anyone who wants to follow along and connect with you whether it's professionally or just follow along your lawyer journey because you are starting to be more active on TikTok where can everyone find you well I feel like the easiest place is Instagram which then connects to like yeah. everything else um which is that's a great question <laughs> <laughs> see I'm so into the whole I apologize media. <laughs> for how annoying we are but like this episode is really is also very valuable and very important but we are having so much fun right now. Yes. Okay, so it's Y-A-S-M-I-N-N-N, so three N's, underscore S. And that will really be the gateway to everything else. <laughs> Perfect. I'll put everything in the show notes so they can find you. But honestly, I'm so glad we finally got to record this. We've been wanting to do it for so long. And I'm just grateful that you know, I met you, you are a fellow Florida girl who went to UT. I honestly don't think I would have gotten through law school without you and Brady, who one day I hope will have on, but <laughs> that might take a lot more convincing. Um, but honestly, I wouldn't be anywhere where I'm at today um, if I didn't have you in my life. So thank you so much for coming on. I know this episode was a long one, so I'll keep this short and sweet. I hope you guys loved this episode. I hope you guys like being a part of my wine night with my girlfriends. I have a few more episodes like this coming out, and I like to mix them up in between the more formal interview style, even though, you know, my interviews aren't very formal. But anyway, hope you guys like this episode. If you did, please leave a rating and review. Please subscribe to the show. Share with a friend. That's the best way to grow the show. And as you're listening, screenshot and post it to your stories and tag me and Yasmin and we love seeing it and we I don't know if she's coming for graduation finally but it'll be really cool to get to celebrate graduation with her sometime in the near future so yeah thank you guys so much for listening and I will talk to you all next week